Hi, and welcome to the Saxophone Academy podcast. I'm Dr. Wally Wallace. And I'm Dr. Susan Fancher. And today we are talking about... Oh, the ever-interesting topic of vibrato. And we're going to shake it good. Oh, yeah. We're going to also answer some of your questions. And if you have a yes. question for the podcast, you can reach out, email me, wally at thesaxophoneacademy.com. You don't get Sue's email. You haven't earned it yet. <laughs> Hope you enjoy the episode. Never mind, you can just Google it. No. <laughs> but never mind. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm trying to, I'm trying well, to play you up like you're a major oh, yeah. celebrity. I, I am un, un, yeah, unreachable. You give a, you give this um, this podcast <laughs> prestige. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. So I, I think I recommended this topic because I get a lot of questions about it. And I've been yeah. thinking a lot about it. Yeah. And then uh, I had one of those realizations where you ever feel like, hey, things are going really well in my playing and I'm doing really well. And then something comes along. You're like, nope, I'm a hot mess. All the time. Yeah. I just call that, what's today? Thursday. <laughs> Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> I call it Thursday. Uh, dear yeah, listener, no, when we're, while totally. we're recording. So um, it was a while back that um, uh, Tim McAllister was kind enough to have the Bakun people send, um, and you got sent one too, the, yeah. uh, the Vocalese mouthpiece. Oh, they're beautiful. And yeah. I was like, okay, well, I got to send, put up a sound sample because I think like, you know, there's a reasonable expectation. Yeah. And I was like, oh gosh, my vibrato. I haven't done classical vibrato in a while. And it was, it was a little bit all over the place. Oh. And uh, no, I yeah. you're supposed to say no, Wally. You sounded great. You did sound great. Okay, we point, played point duets the other day. You oh, yeah. sounded like a well, million I bucks. That, but it wasn't as controlled <laughs> as perhaps I would like. Oh, and uh, and then I realized, like you know, because I'm not practicing it, and jazz vibrato is so very different. So I started doing vibrato exercises again. Cool. Just because you know, you never know when you get the, the the call for that big paying classical gig. I know you're laughing, but it does happen occasionally. No, it does. It does. It does. It does. And I love classical music. And so I thought like, all right, well, you know, it's been a while since I've done classical music. Uh, I'm going to start practicing again. And then I said, well, who, you know, it's been a while since I've listened to see who's out there and what are our role models? And then how do we teach it differently in jazz? And so I thought this would be a fun topic. Yeah. So I thought maybe right off the bat, um, let's give the listener an example of yeah. what do you think your first choice of a Ugh. really beautiful vibrato? This was such a hard thing. You asked me to find some good examples of a vibrato, and I felt so much pressure to to pick something that I really could get behind and that was really perfect. And the the styles of vibrato change. Yeah. So Sue was, time, was pulling but, up all the well-known classical albums, and she said, trash, chucked it garbage, chucked uh, it. God, well, what I, a hack. I, well, I was listening to mine, and I was like, surely I've got a decent example that I'm willing to stand up and say, yes, this is great vibrato. And I kept listening going, oh, yeah, no. And then another one, oh, this, yeah, no. And, then, and so it was mostly mine I was throwing <laughs> out. But then I was listening, yeah, to some other, and I'm like, well, we don't really do that anymore. Uh, I wouldn't really do it like that if I had to do it now. And so it was was hard. But I did find one great, well, I found lots of great examples, but one that I chose because once I landed on one that was good, I was like, I got other stuff to do. Uh, this will have to do. Yeah, yeah, like, I, Wally's <laughs> well, not going to no get the prime hours of my stuff. life. Yeah. <laughs> But I was listening to Otis Murphy playing um, the Maslanka concerto, concerto right. for alto saxophone and, and orchestra or wind ensemble. I think there's versions for both, aren't there? Anyway, um, he he sounds like a million bucks on this recording, and I think his vibrato is spectacular. And plus, going over the break up to those high Gs is stunning. It really is. Let's take a listen to yeah. this. Is uh, Otis Murphy with some wind ensemble? <laughs> I can't be. I, I, I pulled that off Spotify. I don't have the liner notes. <laughs> Yeah, University of... It's probably Indiana. (laughs) 
And there's a, 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 I very much love, I mean, <laughs> Otis sounds beautiful. He does. Yeah. And what um, what's interesting is, is his approach is very much in the French tradition where the vibrato is intense. It's fast. Yeah. And it's rather persistent across multiple, uh, what's, what's, how am I trying to say this, Sue? Um, it's, it's part of the sound, not an ornament to the sound. Yeah, he's not just adding it onto notes. It's pretty much ever present, but it is so beautifully controlled. It doesn't. That's what I like. It doesn't wobble, and that's the thing we can talk about in a minute about vibrato. It's so hard to get it not to have those occasional dips. Right, and <sighs> a lot of our beloved mentors of yesteryear, there is sometimes a little bit of that wobble sag. Yeah, and it's too wide, and it it's just like you were telling me. You came tongue. up with a list of people with bad vibrato. Let me read it off. Stop here. it! <laughs> no, okay. For first, on the li- wow, I can't believe you came up with a list. There's 37 well, names. Yeah. <laughs> this person's a listener. Okay. So I yeah, did not it's, do that. So it's, it's very record. tight. It's controlled. It's colorful. Yeah. But in the, he's more in the French tradition. Well, he said it with Yanni's formo. Is it Jean or Jan? Jean Yves. Formal. That's exactly what I said, Sue. Of course yeah, it so is. Johnny Formo, Johnny. Uh, you know, the, the French, Johnny. the French, we're not so much divided into schools anymore, but, you know, no, it's a big influence. No, really not. Formo, yeah. I think, does exude more the, the French, sure. you know, style. I, yeah. I adore his playing, but the yeah. vibrato is part of the sound, not yeah. an ornament added on. Yeah, and we hear that very much. Too. Yeah. And um, yeah. Which I, some of the other styles and people that we, we mimic, you know, it's especially very different than in the jazz world. Yeah. I love that. What's another example? You sent me a beautiful soprano saxophonist. Well, so, the, the, the playing. Yeah. The saxophonist is very handsome as well, but that was, <laughs> I phrased that <laughs> he strangely. He is a very handsome guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's very tall, I discovered. I met him a couple weeks ago in Stockholm, like in person, and yeah. I, I'll have to send you this picture we took. So I'm like, whoa, you know, and I'm not terribly tall, but I'm not terribly short either. I'm sort of average height. And he's like towering over me. I'm like, oh, Anders Paulson, you are a very tall human being. <laughs> He's a spectacular soprano saxophonist. He's really devoted himself to the soprano saxophone. So let's listen to a clip of this. Um, his vibrato is one that you use in as an exemplar. And yeah. I agree. Very beautiful. Let's take a listen. What is this piece? These, what are these poems? This is a solitary poem number 10 by Johann Hamert. I'm not sure if I'm saying his last name correctly, but Anders Paulsen during the pandemic was one of those people who didn't just go, oh, I have no motivation to play the saxophone. He actually commissioned, I think it's 21 pieces for either solo saxophone, and there are a couple of duos in there from composers that he then like learned and recorded and posted mm-hmm. to YouTube. And they're all published and available for people to buy and perform now that the pandemic is quote unquote over enough that we can have concerts again. So he did this huge body of work um, during the pandemic, you know, and there's a beautiful video that goes uh, along with this piece that he's posted on, on YouTube where he's standing on, you know, these beautiful rock, uh, natural rocks on the the shore of the Baltic Sea, and he's playing out yeah. over. Well, in the video, he's playing out over the sea. But I mean, you listen to the recording, you can tell it's a it, studio recording. Like, How did he get the gear up there? <laughs> and you can see his, his the hair blowing in the wind. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. How did they get rid of the wind noise? Right? Yeah. No, it's a video. It's, yeah, it, it's a yeah. video. But it's it's it was such a beautiful project, and I was so touched 
and impressed that he had the time and the energy. Right. Well, he had the time. We all had the time. There was nothing going on. We all have the same number of hours in a week. (laughs) But, you know, he was one of those people who just found a way to do something super beautiful and creative during the pandemic. And I've been a fan of Anish's playing and his his sound for a long time, but I think his vibrato is really stunning in this recording. <laughs> and um, we actually, so, so I'm sitting here in Wally's studio and Wally's super adorable dog is on my lap licking my face. Yeah, Moxie, Moxie we are on a podcast. This, <laughs> this is, is serious. serious business, <laughs> Moxie. You can't. Wait, I don't want to drop her on the floor. That's the dumbest dog. <laughs> That's the most cute dog. Oh, she's so oh. dumb. So what's funny about you asking to talk about vibrato is two weeks ago when I saw Anish in person, one of the riveting and exciting <laughs> topics we talked about was, I swear to God, was vibrato. Yeah. For those that don't know, Sue it. Fancher, Dr. Fancher, she knows how to party. <laughs> I tell you. So, oh, man, geek. And what, what were some of the insight, insightful? Well, because I was talking about how I feel like if I get out of shape, like meaning I don't play for a few days, the, the first thing I have to pay attention to when I get back to the saxophone is getting my vibrato back in shape. Yep. You know, the fingers will come. They'll be fine unless I've taken like a year off, which I never do. Um, but if I've taken a few days off, like the vibrato needs work again, yeah, like it'll wobble or it'll be too fine, wide. Fine muscle movements of the jaw. Yeah. I yeah. mean, especially on the soprano, because, you know, mm. we talked about how small the movement has to be right. in order for it just not to be too wide and out of tune and out of tone, you know, right, kind of vibrato. Right, right, right. And, and I usually, I have shown you this, this exercise I do before this warm up, and I include this. Whoa, 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 with my metronome mm-hmm. just to make sure I'm getting it faster and keeping it narrow and all that. Wait, and did you just say wah, 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 Sue? I did, even though I know va, 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 vas. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. We'll talk about that. But I like the va, 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 va very much. Uh, USM, uh, our editor, if you can insert <laughs> a condescending look sound. <laughs> I don't know how to do that, but if you can. Uh, oh, if anybody know. can, he can. Yeah, USM can do it. But so Anders Paulson said what he does is he well he spends a lot of time on long tones and on vibrato practice and you hear it in his playing. It's beautiful. It's yeah. very clear in his playing that and he came from a, a it's, it's sort of an aside but he came from a clarinet beginning so he had to work really hard to be able to move that jaw and at be all less at annoying in general. <laughs> well, yeah. it instantly was less annoying once yeah. he moved to the soprano saxophone. Right. Duh. Right. <laughs> Suddenly became much cooler. <laughs> but he does quintuplets and septuplets, so five and sevens when he's doing his vibrato, so that he doesn't risk um, emphasizing the beat, the beat as much when right. he's doing vibrato. And I thought, wow. And so in the last couple of weeks when I've been practicing, I've been incorporating that. And I'll tell you, it's, it's a better way. Fives it's and sevens. Fives and sevens. And you can do fours too, but just mix it up, I well, guess, see, is the bottom this line. Is the problem, I, I, look, I hear theoretically what you're saying, but yes. if you take a beat yeah. and you divide it by seven parts, a seven's an odd number, so it yeah. doesn't work. <laughs> no, it just doesn't work. You can't You can't do it. It doesn't, doesn't check out. I mean, okay, you, like try dividing a pizza into seven slices. It doesn't work, <laughs> Sue. You can't do it. You need a compass that's, or something. That's a fact. That's a mathematical that's fact. That's a mathematical fact yeah, of life. Okay, odd numbers Wally. don't fit in. 
I probably shouldn't help my son with this math homework. Okay, no, I see what you're saying. Now it's much does, more difficult. Does your wife have time to help your son with math homework instead no, of you? Oh, darn no. Oh, uh, <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, that's why they have teachers. <laughs> and tutors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. Fives and sevens. So if you yeah. were, how do you, sub so here's a, how, what tempo are you doing this? Well, you could do, See, I got the V's instead of the W's. See, that's better, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so like you put it on the quarter notes around what tempo? Oh, I don't know. How do you not know? Well, so for my, I haven't been doing it with a metronome. I've been doing it just trying to get myself to do fives and sevens. Because I'm so used to going. How do you know if it's seven if there's no beat relevance? Well, I'm just sort of making up a pulse, but my <laughs> but my fours are at um, seventy six. Seventy six. Okay. Yeah. I start. And I'm trying yeah. to go faster, but so, I haven't succeeded at that. With fives and sevens, or just well, even four? with fours, and yeah. I've got students who can do you know fours at eighty something, and I look at them, I'm like, dude, how do you do that? You're like, all right, Billy Goat Johnson, <laughs> I, knock I, it off. <laughs> well, okay, there's a question of whether or not you should. Yeah. But in the words can. of Jeff Goldblum, just because we can, uh, we should stop and ask ourselves if we should. Right. Or we're so busy asking ourselves if we can, we should stop. I'm so sorry that uh, dog is just. <laughs> gosh, she's the worst. She loves me. She does. She, loves she actually me. gets so excited Aww. every time she sees Sue Fancher. I she, just don't want her to pee, pee on my lap. <laughs> she pees in my house when she sees Sue Fancher because she. Oh, I don't want to drop her down on her. Oh wait. <laughs> she's so dumb. So dumb. She's not dumb. She's adorable. Okay. So. Okay. Uh, one other example, well, let's talk about a couple jazz examples first and, ha- yeah. and a little bit of compare and contrast. So my first yeah. example comes from uh, a tenor saxophonist that, do not be ashamed if you, you don't know this name off the top of your head, was not as famous as some other big names. Right. Um, but Gene Amons. Yeah. That is, uh, oh gosh, what track is that? Um, I listened to it, but I, I didn't did, write down the names. Yeah, yeah uh, it <laughs> I is. do know this. Till There Was You. Oh. And that's off an album, it's a collection called Gentle Jug. There's two volumes of Gentle Jug. So beautiful. That was introduced to me by a friend who was not a saxophonist, not even a musician. And he said, well, you, you like jazz? And I was like, where's this going? You like jazz. Yeah, <laughs> you like jazz? And I said, yeah. And he said, you got to, and so we went to his dorm room. Remember back in the days in the dorms where you go and hang out in someone's doors and you dorm you room? You listen to music. Listen to music. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you, we had stereos and really good speakers yeah. and ways to listen to music. Uh, yeah. Recently. Like, yeah. I remember like a lot Not back then, we would bring our, our receiver <laughs> and a couple of speakers. Yeah. 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 And so he played um, the, and he's like, man, this is just great rainy day music. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is a gentle drug. Gorgeous. Uh, and I never really heard G Namens before. Yeah. Um, I, he, um, let's not get into his personal history, but part of the reason you mean, you know, he did spend some time in prison for yeah. a lot of the reasons back then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's always been one of my favorite players. Um, Blue Jean is one of my favorite records. Um, swings and sings. And, but um, this, uh, Till There Was You, I love that it's a big, warm, wider than perhaps we would do in classical, obviously. Yeah, but very focused. There's no wobble. I was listening for that. And it's the same technique that we use in classical it is it's just a different speed and it's a different width but it's just as perfectly controlled as it, what otis murphy is doing on right Maslanka recording and i think so, so that's beautiful. where when i have people listen to vibrato i start around that time this is probably mid 19 late 1950s this recording i don't know for sure off the top of my head um but as much as i love and adore ben webster and coleman hawkins yeah they're you know that it's a very different style or we don't play that way anymore but i think gene ammons has a great it sounds vintage 
Um, yeah. But I just love it and it's so controlled. Well, and I feel like you could play like that today and nobody would be like, whoa, it's totally no, old-fashioned, man. No, not at all. It's so not integrated a, There are my favorite players line. today, I think, play. and But that was yeah. my first example of think when I think of beautiful saxophone vibrato, uh, Gene Amons comes right to mind. So check out yeah. Gentle Jug. Uh, his Willow Weep for me uh, on that album is To Die For. That's one of my um, favorite jazz tunes of all time oh, anyway. So oh, beautiful. So great. So the next example, jazz, is a different um, application, and it comes from John Coltrane off his Ballads album. And this is Say It over and over again. And here we hear beautiful vibrato, but it's a different application. It's less part of the sound and more of an ornament. Yeah. And what I love is he goes to the, the palm keys, he goes to the high end, oh straight tone, and then ends the phrase with vibrato, and he does it in such a way that is, I mean, you know, I was like, hey, guys, guess what? John Coltrane's really good. <laughs> you know, well, I don't need to, they're not telling anyone they don't know, but it, when you analyze why it is, it's just there's no cliche. There's control. There's tone painting, color painting. And so you hear these straight tones in the high end and then ending with vibrato. And it, um, what did you think of it, Sue? Yeah, absolutely stunning. I mean, every, everything you said, the use of vibrato, and you can tell this was a guy who practiced nonstop. I mean, the control, the control and the yeah. intonation and the deliberate use of vibrato, the deliberate, I think it would be deliberate, I mean, because it makes so much sense, you know, the, exactly what you said, Wally, with the straight tone and then which notes he chose to put vibrato on. And that's right. a lot more how we play in classical music now, especially more contemporary music. We'll play some straight tone. Um, some of the examples I was looking at in my own playing, I was trying to find some good vibrato examples in this piece called Into Worlds by Morton Sabotnik. And the whole beginning of the tune, I play completely straight tone because it's right. just this really like calm, slow, there's no vibrato at all. I'm like, well, that's not going to work. Right. <laughs> there's no vibrato but at all. There is but there a is beautiful bit of vibrato on that album on the Ben Johnston. Yeah, I did. finally did like decide I could, I could, put myself forward for the the tune of uh, Ben Johnston's piece, Ponder Nothing, which was originally for clarinet, actually, but I play it in it, a, a version I made for alto saxophone, and clarinet might play it straight tone, but I played it like a saxophonist, which for me was to include uh, vibrato on this. It's a hymn tune, so it made sense to me and to play I think it's, it with Let's vibrato. take a listen to that. So this is Ben Johnston, the arrangement from clarinet. Um, what's the name of the, the, the track again? Ponder Nothing. Ponder Nothing. Ponder Nothing. Ponder let's nothing. take a listen. And then I, I, uh, of all the examples, I think this might be my favorite. Aww, you're and, so nice. and Sue is always saying, "Well, I got to tell you, I'm better than John Coltrane." Sue tells me that all <laughs> oh, the God, time. Oh, God, no. Yeah. I do not. No, I'm prop well, Sue Fancher uh, because I'm a big fan. Uh, and that is you. beautiful vibrato. And I well, think I don't want to hear this piece on, on clarinet anymore because your vibrato makes it better. I love it. I love this piece, too. And what's interesting is this was my first, like, quote-unquote, solo CD, the CD Ponder Nothing. And it's it's interesting to me that this this piece was such a favorite of mine because it is based on a French hymn, mm -hmm. Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence. And the second line of one of the verses is, uh, ponder nothing earthly minded. 
it's kind of zen in a way, but it yeah. also uh, connects to that love of church music and hymns that is music that I grew up with. And I think the older I get, the more I, I'm trying to reconnect with the kind of music that was part of my life as a child, but also the music that's still part of my life. I still sing in the church choir, actually. Yeah. You know, I'm, you know, maybe I'm a religious person, maybe I'm not. That's sort of irrelevant for me. Like the whole point of the church choir is I love singing together with other people. And one of the best compliments I ever get about my saxophone playing is when people say, it sounds like you're singing. And I'm like, oh, thank you. That is a really nice compliment yeah, to get. Is that, isn't that the so point? So those of you out there, if you ever see Sue Andrew, uh, yeah, if you want to make me feel really good, just tell her like, I was just <laughs> singing. Just in for compliments. Yeah, but the don't say like, you sounded just like Sammy Davis Jr. Her <laughs> 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 Barbara Streisand. <laughs> okay, well, that is a, that is a compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. Interesting enough, and if I I don't I'm not I haven't been in the classical conservatories in a while, so I'm not sure what what people are teaching these days. And frankly, it's it's none of my business because right. I I want to stay out of debt. But back in the day, um, one of the you know my mentors and the the word on the street was if you want to learn great vibrato, don't listen to saxophonists, listen to other instruments. Yeah. I don't think that's as true today because now I, I think, think yeah. our vibrato is every bit as beautiful as any other instrument. Back when this was more common thinking is because we had this kind of dated, I adore Marcel Mule. Oh, I yeah. adore him. But um, nobody wants to play with that vibrato nah, it's anymore. It's just not it's how we style. play anymore. Well, what, who was a violinist back in that era? They used to, whoa, I don't even know how they played with how wide their vibrato was on those violins at the same era. Right. So <clears throat> standards have changed. And I think there's yeah. some, as we've shown today, some truly great examples. It used to be like, oh, don't listen to sax when you have to listen to cello or you have to listen to Fischer Discal. You have to right. listen to singers. I don't right. think that's so true today. No, not as um, much. Because I think our in the past 20 years, our mm. standards of playing have... In, in classical <laughs> in jazz the technical aspects have risen greatly uh i don't like it as much um uh, gotcha because yeah. it's become kind of a noodly note fest yeah uh, well, not everyone not everyone well there's a I lot guess the same could be saved for classical mm, okay there's just, an op- yeah you know because right. there's an awful lot of classical saxophone music in particular but performances now it's like well if i can play it faster i should right right and but the, the level of notes, playing is, is outstanding oh, the, so yes yeah, yeah. unbelievable but, yeah. but even with yeah. that that caveat i think or, or um we can still listen to other great instrumentalists yeah. to derive inspiration so you sent me yeah. an example of i sent you two examples one's oboe yeah, let's not talk about that let's talk about that. <laughs> we'll talk about my one of my great heroes and I've never met her. She has no idea who I am. And we've had no contact ever. But one of my great um, heroes I, I think she been, doth protest too much. I, and I, Sophie Mutter, a violinist, okay. German violinist. Oh, fantastic player. I just, I just, I just love her playing. And so I I fished out an example of of her playing for you to play. And I just think that um, my model for um, vibrato when I studied with Londex was to think about playing in the way of a violinist where you very much can watch their vibrato. You can uh, watch them so powerful, yeah. add it. You can watch them do straight tone. You can, you know, can just watch how fast they're doing the vibrato just by watching their hands. So, yeah. I actually anyway. like watching videos of Oystruck because you can actually see his face kind of jiggle a little when he does. <laughs> That's so it's funny. It's beautiful. I'm looking um, to see. So what did this I is, This is the oh, Mendelssohn, the Mendelssohn opening of the Mendelssohn. And I have to say, oh. this may be one of my favorite pieces of music on the planet. So this is the oh, opening of the Mendelssohn Concerto first movement. I'm glad I chose that then. Yes. Let's Yay. take a listen.
what can we learn from violent vibrato that uh, we can't see it because this is recording. Yeah, but listen to how how focused it is. It doesn't wobble out of tune. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very intense, and there's a lot of variety in yeah. how wide it is, how narrow it is, how fast it is, how slow it is. Um, you know, there might be a note now and then that doesn't have any vibrato, and it's very intentional. And you know, for violinists, just like playing a phrase has to be very intentional because they have to decide where the downbow is right. and where the upbow is. And, and I use that as an, an analogy. And they can run out of uh, runway there. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's, it's, they yeah, might have to bow change at a bad place in the line if they don't plan it. Just like we might have to breathe at right. a bad place in a phrase if we don't yeah. plan it. <laughs> you really do have to be careful because if you don't plan your phrases, it cannot end well. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so I use it as an analogy in teaching breathing all the time. Right. Yeah, I know. We learn a lot from violinists. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just musically. Let's not live our lives like violinists. Cause, <laughs> you know, we're better than that. You know, there's jokes that a violinist won't leave home for less than 100 bucks. But I think we probably have to you know, increase that for inflation now. It's probably like, you know, 200. <laughs> I think supply and demand has changed that quite a bit. Uh, as of, yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. They're probably not leaving home a lot, even regardless of that. Oh, gosh. So um, <laughs> let's talk about the, the, so we have some great examples and some ideas. Yeah. How do you teach vibrato? Well, I was thinking a lot when I was driving up here, actually, Wally, that there's I'm so glad two- you prepare at home. <laughs> so good, glad. Good thing I have a 15-minute driver. I wouldn't do any preparation. <laughs> hey, listen, I typed up a whole email and sent these examples. <laughs> no, 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 I can't. I can't. I can't. I know, I know. It's um I was thinking about um that there really are two different topics at play here. One is um interpretively, how do you use vibrato to to shape a phrase or to add expression? And then the other is like just the mechanical, like how do you learn to play with a good vibrato? They're kind of two different right. two different. So the topics, mechanics right? and the application. Yeah. Would you, let's start with the, the mechanics. Yeah. How do you teach it? Well, I start with a beginning student with vibrato with... My eyebrows are very high up I right know, now. There's high expectations. I'm not going to look at them, everybody, so I don't get nervous. Well, no, the way I start is just to see if they can do pitch bends. That's the very okay. beginning. Can you... Because, you know, like Anders Paulson was saying, so he started as a clarinetist. The, the challenge for him when he moved to saxophone and tried to be, play vibrato was to just even, like, just go... Make the job move, even, yeah. Even, like, dip the pitch. You know, when I have students who want to um, work on jazz a little bit, you know, I mean, they've got to learn how to do a scoop or a bend or a fall-off. And if they just, you know, we get so yeah. clenched up practicing classical saxophone that, I mean, believe it or not, those of you out there who play jazz are like, what? That's a thing? Yeah, we can't even get them to go, can't even get them to, like, release the, the pitch at no. all. Yeah, I mean, I do that all the time unless I go, wah, wah, whenever my students play. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just, just to express my disappointment. <laughs> so, so learn to do the wah, wah. Yeah, yeah. So what, sil- what syllable people, do you teach? Some people can just just do that. Well, oh, he's looking at me. What syllable do you teach? All right, I'll say it because I, I'm I, going to let him do this because he's going to well, judge me. <laughs> Anytime I teach something, I have to be somewhat careful because yeah. – um, I, I don't mean to. I don't mean to brag, but as someone with a doctorate who primarily makes my living making YouTube videos, <laughs> hey, you're making a so, living. So, uh, <laughs> you know, on the plus side, my YouTube channel has uh, hit over two million views, Woo-hoo! which is very strange to me. So there's a lot of weirdos watching, and if someone <laughs> but doesn't, some of but the if, you, if you say something wrong, 
They let you oh, know. Oh, yes. And, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, they yeah. let you oh, know. And I they know get it. nasty yeah. and they get mean. That's the way of the world and right now out I'm there. I'm just so sensitive. It really, I just don't care anymore. But so <laughs> I have to think very carefully. And so I thought, like, all right, what's syllable? So my teacher, who was fantastic, uh, yeah. taught wa. That's I, what I was taught. I don't yep. love wa because right. in order to make the a W syllable, we have to, our opposite changes. Yeah. There's something so that's happening I want to on the isolate, side that's not so good. Right. Yeah. So I don't want to change the the functioning of the embouchure when I do right. vibrato. And wah will change the muscle pressure. Yep. Other than just moving your mandible. Uh, is, wait, is the man, not your mandible, your jaw. Your yeah. mandible is the top part, right? I don't know. Because I think it's just, there's not like an upper ask, lower. You got to ask man- your wife. Whenever I ask her medical questions. She rolls her eyes. She's just like, oh my God, go away with your silly yeah, sex. You know, stuff. you can Google that. I know, but like, the, <laughs> what's the point of being married to a doctor? I know, right? You should be I pay to someone to Google it for you me. Know, yeah. There are things I could Google. I'll just ask yeah. Mark. So how do I do that? I didn't marry a doctor to to, to Google. So, so then I started anyway. thinking, oh, so so then I va is a much more common, more va, modern va, syllable. Va, 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 va. I yeah. don't like ah because of the tongue position and the then the chain of events that the ah uh, syllable uses. Because when I play classical music, I use an o oh, as in volvo syllable. I like that best. In oh. my oral cavity, uh, I don't oh. really don't play yep. with ah as my natural nope. neutral syllable. I say it with an o. It's really an o. So I you say ah, but it's not. So right. I teach Volvo or vo. vo the vo, vo is in vo, Volvo, vo, vo, vo. where where Swedish luxury meets vo, 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 vo. Uh, yeah. innovative shin and safety. We need the corporate sponsors. Yes, so for sure. Those are I say cars. vo 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 So we yeah. put on the metronome and then we practice first just three vos yep. per beat. Once you can get them to unclench their jaw and they can actually do that. If you hit them hard enough, they will unclench their jaw. I mean, it's a reflex. You know what I mean? Or you pinch them and they'll scream like, ah, your jaw went down. I don't think I would get away with that at Duke. Well, uh, this is one of the beautiful beautiful things of teaching largely adult amateurs. Yeah, you, you can know? hit them. You can, yeah, and they, they hit back, and then it's <laughs> it's just and fun. that's all fair. Yeah, actually, I teach all online, so it's I know great. You do. So it's just, so I can, yeah. Let's be clear, just we're not because, I, literally is, hitting people. Uh, I don't well, know, Doctor Fancher. Used to are you smack us over the head? <laughs> really? Yeah, well, he'd come and hit us, <laughs> or smack us on the back, or something. <laughs> Those that was back in the day when you could hit the students and you wouldn't get put in jail. <laughs> Gosh. The good old days. The good old like, days. And you could insult your students liberally. And it yeah, was where fine. like, yeah, you're like, where teachers would smoke in lessons. Oh my and, God, and drink. And oh right. my God. You know, two of my you teachers, can't do any of that two of my teachers studied with Larry Teal. Yeah. And they were very clear that he had a uh, recliner chair that he sawed one of the arms off of and kept a saxophone on a shelf right next to it so he could sit in his recliner. His recliner. Reach over to the shelf and grab his saxophone and, Get and, out and of play. Here. Yeah. You're kidding. Uh, no. No, that's what and I, I don't remember. Oh, yeah, you he can't or, do, I think you it was can't. he as well that would smoke pipe in lessons. I yeah, may you have can't that. Do that anymore. Yeah, you, you can't well, do that. Well, not with anymore. that attitude. So <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, we teach the the measured, and here's where the great conundrum happens. Um, in yeah. order to, to sound free and fluid, we have to practice controlled and measured. Yes. And whenever I don't practice controlled and measured, like you said, like when I took some time off from classical and then I needed to review a mouthpiece, my vibrato was not as even as I would like. Yep. Um, so we practice control. So how often do you do vibrato exercises? Every single day. Every day? Every single day. Yeah, that's part of my warm-up. Every I day that you to. play. Yes. Every day that I play. Yes. Yeah, I do take some days off. So how long do you spend on it? Not a ton. I would say 10 minutes. I do about five to ten. Yeah, yep. when I was five at the peak of my class, yeah. yeah, five to ten minutes. And one, how do you? So do you vary the tempos each day? I don't, but I'm I'm going to start doing that but now. You, you said seventy. 
76. At 76, I usually, well, my usual way in the past years have been to do whoa, 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 four mm-hmm. um, at 76 for quarter notes. So quarter note 76, 16th note vibratos. But I'm going to okay. try to do um, fives, and I might have to slow the tempo down a little bit for me. I think that 76 is is a good tempo for 480 might be better, but I just can't get there, Wally. You can well, judge me, but well, I can't. not with that attitude. I know. Well, We're saxophones, not saxophones. I, I got Wait. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the words of Oscar the Grouch, it's a trash can, not a trash can. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we couldn't work that with saxophones. Yeah, no, it doesn't, it doesn't work. But, I mean, what do you think is a good tempo to practice at? I really never go slower, practicing-wise, slower than three pulsations at 60. Mm-hmm. The fastest I've ever gone. I don't mean to brag here, yeah. But four pulsations at eighty-eight. There you go. And man. then the yeah. comments I consistently got at um, competitions was that's too fast. I think that's too fast, but it's not too fast to practice. It's just no. a little faster for the music. Yeah, probably. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's yeah. So I, I five or ten minutes of practice I think is good. Yeah, I, I recommend varying the tempos. But then again, if you're if you're practicing the number of pulsations but keeping the tempo the same, you're basically doing the same thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. you're just uh, more creative. I'm going to experiment with fives and sevens. Yeah. And if I hate it, I'm going to write hate mail to Anders. Paulson. Yeah. Okay. How do you pronounce his last name? Paulson. 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 I haven't met the, uh, but I want to meet them. They sound very cool. He is very cool. Lovely, lovely musician. Great player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So now, so the, there are people that disagree. Now, when I diagram. That's fine. Yeah. uh, No, it's not okay. Okay. (laughs) What's the point of having an international platform if you can't say what's truth? And then okay. not listen to any <laughs> any contrary <laughs> opinions. <laughs> so uh, when I diagram it, they can it, turn it off the, if they don't. The agree. <laughs> olden days vibrato, if you were to diagram it, like some of my oh, old geez. school teachers, yeah. it would be at the pitch, and then it would scoop below the pitch and come back to the pitch. Which the problem with that is, then the average of what you're hearing is slightly below the pitch. I yeah. had a teacher, no good, a uh, great teacher, but that's how they viewed vibrato: never going above the pitch, but always going to the pitch below. And so it's, oftentimes, the average, it made it sound like a little low, a little saggy to me. Do you think they played like that? Yes. So their pitch was saggy when they played. So they Yes, I've okay. heard a couple of the older school players that do sound that way. Yeah. Um, so when I diagram it, now, this same person said that when they were teaching um, a series of guest lectures at Indiana, when Rousseau left, they had a, a string of teachers, and he was saying some of the European teachers were teaching a vibrato was going above and ah. then to. Mm-hmm. I view it like the Larry Teal way, and, and any man that was teaching out of a recliner with one arm <laughs> sawed off, that, he, that's the way. He's, he's on to something. This is the way. Let's be honest. And so he diagrams it in um, The Art of Saxophone Playing yeah. uh, as above and below, you yeah. know, where we go equally, and then the average is that. Now, I've had a couple of persnickety YouTube comments like, I showed that to my teacher, and we laughed. You know, and I was like, all right, well, you and your band director in East Coweta can laugh. That's how I view it. And here's the thing. They could say, like, well, actually, 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 if you get out of tuner, you'll find that the pitch, it's actually, I don't care what literally is happening with the pitch. It's pedagogy. We're interested in the result. And if visualizing the above and below gets the result, that's great. Otherwise, you're being pedantic. Yes. The, The nitpicky facts. So, like, when the golf teacher tells you to hold a baby bird in your hands, you're not literally holding a baby bird. We get that, Larry. Yeah. It's the it's <laughs> it's it's the I Jared for my younger right, listener. I know, I know. Yeah, and so yeah, it's so I view it as above and below, and that's the visualization. Whether that's literally happening, if we diagram the pitch, and you know, I don't care. Yeah, I 
I was taught the, you know, here you're a pitch, you come down, you come back up to pitch, make sure you get back up to pitch or else you'll sound flat. But then um, at some point, somebody told me about, I think they told me, I have never studied with Jean-Yves Fermo, but somebody told me that he teaches go up first and then right, the pitches in the-, in the middle and you go above and below. I think technically we probably aren't really doing that, but I was noticing um, just too many sags in my vibrato that I didn't I didn't like that there were these dips that I didn't want and they were right. happening. So I started just envisioning going up first um, and it was better. It's like a little Botox so, for your tone. Maybe. Just prevents the sagging. <laughs> Botox. Yeah. So, you know. Oh, again, I'm sorry. Wait. <laughs> USM, make a note. Botox for your tone. Our new online course. Guest uh, guest artist, go. Susan Fancher. <laughs> Botox your tone. Okay. We made but, a note you know, for that. Exactly like what you said, Wally. If, if that makes you play better, who cares if that's actually what's happening or not? Because that's pedagogy. Maybe. Pedagogy exactly. is interested in the result. Not, which is why I... Okay, and, slight tangent. And, then we'll think about wrapping up. Okay. So when <laughs> we got a question, we might have to do that next time. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> well, go on, go on. No, no. Tangent. What I mean is that I'm interested in the result. So yeah. when uh, it's part of the problem when people say, you know, like, well, you know, maintain your airspeed when you're doing um, altissimo or something like that. Yeah. And people say, well, actually, right. using scientific data, we found yeah. that, like, yeah, but it's how it feels. How it I don't feels. care if it's literally and like you know, endoscopic camera up your nose, down your throat. Ew. May show, uh, yeah, I agree, uh, you know, X, Y, or Z, but, like, it, it, we're after the results. Yeah, and, and how many times have you tried something with a student and it wasn't working? And so having never. another way, okay, well, good on you. Yeah. So how many times I've tried something with a student and it doesn't work? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have to have another way. So, like, if right. I have a student who's super tight with their vibrato, then maybe I'll show them the schematic where let's bring the pitch right. down and back up. Because you if and I, I are interested in lose, the results. I want the results. So I want four or five different ways to explain the things. Because if one's not working, I'm going to try another one. Right. And the more years I teach, the more I come up with different ways. And I ask people, well, what have you done? Because I've got this student. I've always used this way. It's worked for everybody else. It's not working for this student. And I, you know, and I do that to you all the time. I'm like, Wally, what should I do? This isn't working. And you've helped me in so many cases. Sometimes so I even great. try. Yeah. <laughs> you, you should, you should. So, you know, though all of those different, instead of like judging somebody's method, you know, maybe you understand that they had to try something with a student who is the other method wasn't working. <laughs> right. And so I will say, yeah. So the reason I don't get too persnickety back at the YouTube people, I just hide them from the channel. <laughs> it's beautiful purgatory. I hit hide okay. from channel. Oh, that's great. No one can see their comments, but they don't know it. They that's see their great. comments, but no one else does. So yeah. it's like in the like in a little private prison. It's wonderful. But, but these days you can listen. So record yourself and listen and see how you think you are sounding. And then listen to, there are great saxophonists now to listen to. And they're right. beautiful oboists. There's beautiful violinists, singers. Go and listen to vibrato. Find some that you like. Listen specifically for the vibrato. Do I like that vibrato? Is that pleasing right. to me? And then go listen to that. But I was, I was going to say, the, the reason I don't worry about the, like, well, actually, yeah. it's going, <laughs> is because we are stealing from people that have consistently good results with their, stu- with their yes. students. So it's not like we're pulling this out of thin air or we're trying to be precise. We're like, what right. has worked for you right. in this works? Right. So yeah, there's a, and I think that was academia has lots of faults, as I, sure, and you point out Everything. quite often. Yeah. But one of the good things about like the American university system is there are 
you know, tons and tons of great people being flooding the market every year. Yeah. And these, these, these methods are working. They're so, working. We have the level of playing is so high. Right. And every, oh yeah. You can find a good saxophone teacher almost anywhere in this country now. I would venture to say really everywhere. Yeah. No, it, the, the quality of playing is so high. And so like, I don't worry about, is this technically what's happening? I don't care what Joelle or taught because in the modern school, these are working very well. And there's a um, variety of, of approaches. And when you go to, to There's saxophone- right and wrong. You're right. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, can't, <laughs> I know you are. You go to conferences and it's really fascinating to go listen to the master classes. Are you going to hear- the conferences this year? I, I'm not planning to go to the one in March, but maybe maybe I should go. I don't know. Maybe I will. When is it? March sometime. It's very specific. You know, the thing is, I think it's during my spring break and I was planning to go to the beach during my spring break. And I think I might just go to the beach during my spring break. I Oh. oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, not that... Uh, not yeah. that dedicated? Uh, well, I just... I love the beach, and I haven't been to the beach in two years. Oh. You know what? It was even more exciting than you being at the beach. What? Uh, Son or Not's album release, last <gasps> weekend of March. Yay! Yep, we're going to have a jazz boot camp working. The uh, the Knots are actually putting on an entire jazz workshop. Go. I'm super excited. So I'll, awesome. I'll post details to that. It'll be a part of the, um, the, pre, the pre-order. Because, you know, I don't want to just like, hey, give me money and I'll give you just ones and zeros you can get for free on Spotify anyway. Yeah. So we're going to have an entire like jazz, learning jazz, uh, standards workshop. I'm so all excited. The, all the fellas in there um, working uh, on that. So yeah. I'm super excited about that. I'll have more details. Great. I'll okay. Be, I'll, when it gets closer to time, I'll be insufferable. about. Pro- well, that's fine. I usually forget to promote stuff. Like Maybe when I'll I have mouthpiece releases. Oh, you didn't know that you're teaching the, the workshop <laughs> on, on on secondary dominant motion over bridge structures? Oh, great. Yeah. I'm going to be like, can you just play those chords? Can I listen and figure out something by ear? Because I have like, no idea. Yeah, I'll be at the beach a bit longer. <laughs> oh, we got a question. Okay. We got a question. We do, we do have we a, question. a question. Do we have time to answer it? Well, I don't know. I oh, mean, okay. we can do whatever we want. Okay. And people can turn it off if they're done. Hi, Dr. <laughs> Wally and Dr. Susan. Uh, this is from Francis. Oh, Francis. Uh, it's actually Hi. Dr. Sue. That's what I call you, Dr. That's Sue. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Greetings from the UK and best wishes for Christmas. That's very kind. Thank you. I trained as a classical clarinet player, moving to bass clarinet and laterally tenor saxophone. Mm-hmm. I've got a wonderful alto too, but never fully got into playing it as much. Do you think a person can be almost naturally a B-flat or E-flat player? Is there something about the familiarity of the tunings that means one is more comfortable? I'd love to hear your thoughts. All the best, Francis. I you thought this was a great question. It's an interesting question because I think yeah. about this too. And I have students, He's uh, Francis is not the first person to ask that. Right. So I had no answer. So Sue, what's the answer? What's the correct, <laughs> what's the well, correct answer? I, I started to think about um, like John Coltrane, in fact, because you had me listen to John Coltrane. I'm but such I had, a jerk. Yeah. I was already list- thinking about him with this question because, of course, tenor and soprano mm-hmm. are both B-flat saxophones. You know who also sticks to the B-flats? Your... Uh, your super crush, Kenny G. Kenny G, that's right. Mm-hmm. Soprano mostly pulls out a tenor once in a while. That's true. Yeah. And do you know that Anders Paulson uh, studied jazz at the Manhattan School of Music with Joe, uh, J- 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 Bob Mincer and... Oh. Being that I'd never heard of Anders Paulson until today, that yeah. I'm going to go with no. I didn't so, know but that. I think he also specializes in soprano, but I think he also plays tenor. Yeah, it's I nothing, hope I didn't screw yeah. that up. Mostly soprano. And then I'm thinking for myself, I'm, I, I, it doesn't really, it doesn't hold water for me because, of course, I started on alto because that's the saxophone we all start on. And then I played alto through college. But at some point, I really felt a strong attraction to 
the soprano, and I do love playing tenor, but I also love playing Barry and alto. But I, if I had to pick two, it would be soprano and tenor. I think that Me, soprano and alto. Uh, soprano and tenor, really. I really, I well, I love the alto. I play a lot of alto. Really? I, yeah, but like I played tenor along with my student quartet the other day, and I was like, I just love this, like this instrument and how it feels. We have a really beautiful Yamaha custom tenor at Duke that is a joy to play. Go on. I'm a Selmer clinician, but uh, man, that's a gray horn. <laughs> so, oh, speaking of being a Selmer clinician, so I'm, we'll be doing a review pretty soon of the Selmer Supreme. Did you get one? Uh, it's coming in. Ah. And, but here's the thing. Yeah. Francis, let me, I'm going to shut up. Let's answer Francis's question. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, but I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but I think specifically, particularly in particular in jazz, I think that people tend to play the B flats or the E flats because you're in the same keys when you're improvising. And, and I think that it's easier because you have that fifth apart mm-hmm. for classical music. Um, it's possible, it's possible, but I feel like, you know, what Wally was alluding to is most of my classical playing is on soprano and alto. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't feel that so much, um, but I think that if you are more comfortable with tenor, then yeah, that's, that's not abnormal, especially coming from clarinet. Yeah. I think that makes sense to me. I can, especially once you add that, their, their make-believe octave key, they call it register key. Oh yeah. And (laughs) if you're used to fingering something and hearing one finger plus that, whatever they call that key as that sound, um, I don't have anything remotely close to perfect pitch. I have decent relative pitch. Yeah. So once I noodle on an instrument for five minutes, I've already forgotten the the actual, you know, concert pitch. So like it takes me two seconds to get used to tenor and then I hear it on that transpose, you know. Cool. So that's not really, it doesn't mess issue. you up. Okay. No, no. And it, like even when I'm improvising, I can hear what the D is going to sound like because the timbral differences between the, the open and close to yeah. hold, it's kind of similar. Frankly. So maybe it's more like which... Which saxophone sort of like feels like your voice? Yeah, maybe it's more uh, I, of that. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, um, you know, wanting to be an advocate for growth mindset. I yeah. don't think of it like I'm more this or I'm more that because it will say in college you're constantly swooping around. You know, you yeah. have to play I've baritone in the yeah. in the quartet. You got to play soprano on this one piece. You got to yep. do alto in your lessons. Yep. Tenor in the wind ensemble, and we both know gazillions of saxophonists that do all four voices beautifully yep. and do two voices. E flat and B flat, soprano and alto constantly. And it's just right. not an issue. Right. Yeah. So right. I, I don't think, you, yeah. I, I think if you love something, you're going to, you're going to do well. Yeah. Find the one you love. I think we all have one that's like nearest and dearest to us. Mm-hmm. I think it might be related to like how much you ended up playing that instrument. So how comfortable you feel on it. Like I feel really comfortable on the soprano because at some point I became a soprano player with a quartet that was working all the time. And so I played right. soprano, you know, five hours, six hours a day for years on end. And then when I went back um, and started working on my alto playing again, I was like, whoa, man, that's like I'm behind on that. And so, But then after I played for hours a day on the alto, right. then I got that back up to a level. And I picked up the Barry a couple of weeks ago because one of my students at Duke had surgery. And so I had to sit in on Barry with the quartet. And at first I was like, oh, my God. God, I sound terrible on this thing. And I was like, couldn't play more than four beats without having to take a breath. And my amateur was just not finding like any kind of sweet spot or any kind of focus. And then, you know, I practiced actually for a week. I kept apologizing to the other guys in the quartet and I practiced. And, you know, by the time I got to the performance, I felt like I wasn't embarrassing myself, but I was not feeling like 
my sound on that instrument yet. So a lot of it's just like getting good enough on the instrument that you feel like you're doing what you are trying to do on it. Right. <laughs> That's true. I will say, so I, I don't play a lot of tenor these days. Um, and I've had to do a, a little bit more. I'm going to start doing more tenor reviews. I'm helping with a couple of people with mouthpiece development, things like that. Um, I will say that, like, you know, people say it's not the equipment, it's the player. When I switch, like, I, I need, like, if I find, like, I, I was struggling on the tenor, I realized, like, it's because I don't have a, a, a setup that transitions well for my current setup. Gotcha. And so, yeah, yeah I, I do, like, yeah. I don't just switch. Like, so if I'm using a three and a half on alto, I don't just assume it's going to be three and a half on tenor. Right. Got to find the right face, especially in the jazz world where there's so much variance in, in facing. You know what? That That is a great point, Wally. When I choose setups for my instruments and when I have a jazz mouthpiece, because I don't play a lot of jazz. So when I choose a jazz mouthpiece, I choose one that I can just play in a similar way not a same but similar way right. to my classical mouthpiece it doesn't feel strange because i just don't have time to get used to something that's really different so that's why i don't go out on a right. limb and make a lot of jazz mouthpiece recommendations because mine's chosen specifically for my needs right and so, yeah i find that if you're switching especially like alto to tenor which feels yeah. so, so different it feels so different um, yeah you, yeah, you take a little time really and find not only the equipment that speaks well for that but I find there's certain equipment that I can transition without too much thought. That's great. Uh, yeah. Without having to feel like I'm finding anything. Yeah. But yeah, Francis, I hope that helped. <laughs> I think interesting to think it about is, that. It, though. It I was really fascinated yeah. thinking about that for myself, but also looking at other players and like people do gravitate toward, you know, particular saxophones, but I don't know why. I think it has more to do with the personality of the instrument and the sound of it and whether yeah. it connects with you. You know, it's interesting. I've talked to a couple of people that I don't think I'm crazy, but uh, I find it easier to improvise on the tenor. And oh, there's a very strange reason why. I feel like I have more time to think. This oh, is going to sound nutty. No, but it's that like totally that slight to me. delay and the slight response difference and the kind of like uh, bigger body of resistance. Oh, yeah. I feel like I have more time to uh, think. That split second. I know that sounds oh absolutely God. bizarre. No, that but, totally makes sense to me, actually. But yeah, I almost feel like then, like, yeah, the alto feels more like I got to know what I'm doing as like before I'm doing it. The tenor, I feel like I can kind of figure <laughs> A little more time later. And like I thought like, this sounds dumb. I'm never going to say that out loud because that well, sounds nuts. But I've, <laughs> but I've talked to a couple of other people like, ah, yeah, totally I know what you mean, sense. which is like maybe, you know, like the, the tenor, like, oh, I just think the tenor sounds jazzier. I like prefer the jazz on tenor. I think the tenor is easier. To <laughs> <laughs> it is a great voice in jazz. Yeah, it is. But I mean, so is alto. Yeah, so, totally. But, yeah, yeah, but there's less totally. time to think. <laughs> That's so That funny. may be the dumbest thing I've ever said. Hey, you but you uh, Yeah. I was in more music the other day. Our, our local music our, retailer. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Um, and... So I was talking to the owner, Al, and Al says, oh, you know, we've got a, um, a, I've got a Selmer Supreme on order. And I said, oh, who's buying the Selmer Supreme? He said, well, I kind of got talked into getting one. I'm kind of against it because it's, it's so expensive. Um, but he said, you know, it's just coming in. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm totally thinking about getting one. And I said, will you let me know when it's in? So he's going to give me a call. Because <gasps> I okay. talked to my people at Summer and they said, well, it's going to take a year. You got to order and get in that, get on a waiting list and everything. And I'm like, oh, and I do hope you said, do you know who I am? <laughs> well, I didn't because I'm not like that. Wally, so speaking to my, deal, maybe, to my dealer, um, he said, hey, I got one if you want to review it. And so it came late because when it came in, there was a lot of work to be done to it. Oh. A lot of work, and this is not this is not a persnickety person that's going to be like, well, I need no. Brian is a very reputable, honest guy. Yeah, 
Everyone that knows have ever, you know, dealt with him has like, this is on the up and up, always give me a fair price. Always I've heard nothing but great right. stuff about him. And yep. he said when this came in, it needed major work. The pad oh, seating geez. was terrible. And so I said, Was it you, from the shipping or they're just No, oh, it just wasn't on. set up. It was not set up correctly. Uh, There's no way come that Come on, sell my friends. Um from what he was describing, it wasn't like a jolt in shipping. It was it wasn't set up. Oh, geez. Um, well. well, I hope they're not rushing these things just because there's a backlog of people um, wanting to get them. I don't know. But anyway, so he said, Ugh. do you still want to review it? And I said, I think it'd only be a fair review if we talk about what went into it to get it playing right. And fair. he said, I yeah. said, do you feel comfortable with it? I said, yeah, well, let's be honest about it. And he said, are you okay with that? Because then some will, you know, not hate, will not be pleased. I said, first of all, they have no idea who I am. And uh, second of all, they have not given Sue Fancher a free Supreme or even bumped her up on the wait list. So I don't care. <laughs> You mess with the well, fanch. You get, yeah, you get yeah, the yeah, walrus. Yeah, get the walrus. <laughs> yeah. Wow. No, I mean, I'm, I don't, not, not interested at all in bad-mouthing any company. No, but, but it would be fair to say this is what had to happen. That's the truth. And, and back in the day, my yeah. friends were like, oh, when you get a new summer, you go bring it to your tech and get it set up first. And I was like, yeah. what? Yamaha, you pull off the corks and play. Um, I've wow. had one, and I will, I'm, I'm only dealing with a sample size of roughly maybe a dozen brand new Yamahas yeah. and half a dozen brand new Silmar Parises. Right. Um, I've had one of the Yamahas I pulled out of the plastic. It was a special edition 62 that was actually poo brown with silver keys. Mm. My student at uh, Methodist University really wanted it. She loved the way it looked. Yeah. So more music got <laughs> went in. I brought it to her. We pulled it out of the plastic and it, it had problems. Yeah. So Yamaha is not exempt from issues. Sure, yeah. But when I was in the Navy School of Music, um, when I was an army musician, yes. we pulled several series of threes out of the plastic, brand new, that yeah. did not play. Jeez Louise. Yeah. yeah. And one of them, I uh, I was like, really worried that something was wrong with my playing because I just got out of basic training. Yeah. And I was like, I can't play the upper octave. Oh, no. <laughs> because the octave hole, the pip in the, in, the octa- in the neck was not a hole. It was filled with crud. Whoopsies. Yeah. And I thought like, okay, that's not good. And, and yeah. we were battling these instruments because they weren't sealing. And then my summer fanboy friends were like, well, that's just because they were the ones shipping to the military. They don't care about this. I was like, well, that's worse. That's worse. I don't think that's, I don't, <laughs> I don't that was, can't, that, can't, that be. can't be what happened. Well, but. I'm very curious to, to uh, hear what you think of the Summer Supreme. And I'm, I'm very curious to see if you'll let me have a try on that one. And never. When you the will more, never try my Supreme. When Al gets the one in at more music, I'm excited to try that one and see see how it plays, you know, with or without adjustments first. And obviously I'll bring that for you to try too. Right. So when it so comes in, maybe we'll try it. A, 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 a two saxophone sample size. I tried one. Did I tell you I tried a Supreme yeah. in, in a Stockholm? Oh, no, not in Stockholm. I know you yeah. did. You played on it. You I left it one, laying on the floor at that, uh, at that, that camp summer camp. Yeah. yeah, the Fred Hemke Institute. I tried yeah. one in Maine. I loved it. Well, I should have bought that one. I played one in Stockholm. It played great. It had a couple of kind of funny little things. I can't remember exactly what they were, except for I remember <laughs> thinking there were a couple of funny little things where I was like, eh, I would have to get that adjusted. Oh, the low, like going to B to B flat, that was not set up the way I like my horn set up. But that can be changed. Anyway, but it was like kind of a brushed looking uh, it almost looked like plastic. It was brushed and then had these black keys. It was a, a 2022 limited edition. Oh, that one, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, it's gorgeous. Uh, so the black key guards. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. I, I, I thought about buying it, but it was just like too rushed and I was in a foreign country. I didn't want to deal with the tax thing and all that, so I didn't get it, but, you know, yeah. it was like- I would have just oh, God. thrown down the cash, check it underneath the plane. <laughs> <laughs> It was 89,000 crowns, which is like, I don't know how that would translate to over $8,000. And I, I was like, no, I know I can get a better price. Yeah, but a yeah, whole yeah. bunch, like 25% of that's probably the tax. 
I don't know. Mm. I didn't want to deal with that. Yeah, headache, what in so. America? And also, honestly, I did. I wasn't. I wasn't a big fan of the way it looked. Mark was like crazy about it. Should have let him buy it. You, ju- you literally just said it looked plastic. Yeah. Selmer artist, adventure, everyone <laughs> playing in a plastic sack. No, yeah. it wasn't. A I think it's <laughs> it's very attractive, but yeah, it's oh, beautiful. Oh, yeah. part of the reason that one, that's yeah. the limited edition. That is way more expensive. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. It's more expensive. Like it's it's enough. It, for and me it to comes buy the with the, it comes with the DeLong mouthpiece, isn't it? I don't know. I think, I I think didn't the limited ask. one came with the, came with the DeLong, really? which is great because that's a great that's, mouthpiece. That's like a, and it comes with that little hamster coffin. <laughs> The little black hamster coffin <laughs> that your mouthpiece comes in. Yeah, that's, that's fancy. I know. I could have gotten that fancy. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway, All this is right. my chance. But so I did try. So I've tried two. Well, I'll try two more. So we'll have yeah. a four sample size. Four samples. Yeah. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Yeah, yeah. And I'll make some enemies. Hey, Sue. <laughs> it was really well, nice seeing you. Great talking with you, as always. Yeah, yeah. If you have a question for the podcast, make sure you reach out and write. And, um, yeah. and I think we will see you. Do we have one more before the Christmas holiday? Yeah, for sure. We have a Christmas special. Yes. Okay, we'll figure out what that is. Okay. <laughs> She'll think about it for at least eight minutes on the car ride over. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Take and care. Uh, go, go practice. practice.